Hello, everybody. We are coming at you live today. Well, not live. This is pre-recorded, but from the Kfaru World Headquarters, and I am your lovely co-host. Well, Aaron Snyder's lovely co-host and also guest today. Um, and my name is Dana Monroe, and we will be talking about my hunt in Hawaii recently and getting into the outdoors. You did good there. That not, was terrible. Not actually. bad. <laughs> it'll it'll be fine. So yeah, you you went over there with Brayden, and you uh, you guys met with a guy that that lives over there, correct? Yes. What can we can we dis- discuss who he is? Is that top um, secret? Um, I I don't I don't know. We probably shouldn't because then they'll get a bunch of people yeah. pestering him. It was my friend. We're gonna call him <laughs> Dave. Okay. That's not his real name, is it? No. Okay. So Dave, yes, <laughs> just to go on. Uh, and was that, can we talk about where you guys went at all? Well, we'll just say one of the islands. There's yeah. many. Yeah, one of the islands. <laughs> um, but you, you, well, you had hunted l- last year was your first year going? Last year was my first year and really then, hunting at all. Um, I'd gone on like a rifle hunt, but that was it before last year. And then, uh, well, and actually to rewind, I met Dana in 2016. Or the beginning of 17? I think 16. Or, yeah, you're right. It might have been. Yeah. It was early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Jesus. Yeah, because anyway, it was at the show. It, it was at the Western Hunt Expo. And then I think when it, Frank and I had talked because we wanted to hire someone and we had called. And you called us a couple weeks later and said you would take the job, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where? What were you doing before? I worked at an oil distributor just in the office doing stuff. Stuff and things? Yeah. Hood rat shit with your friends? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you, um, yeah, you hunted the year after that here. Um, yeah, well, I didn't hunt my first year here because I wasn't a resident and I didn't want to pay $500 for an elk tag. Yeah. So yeah, good idea. I just to. tagged along with people. Yeah, and then. So you hunted last year, though. Yeah. Because yeah. you've been here. This is your third year. Last year, you hunted just elk or elk and mule deer? Yeah, just elk. Yeah. How'd that go? I saw more on Green Mountain when I was hiking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. The uh, Well, and you've had to deal with me. I don't know if it's good or bad. Every now and then throwing out my two cents as far as hunting goes and maybe the industry and um, certain things to, to think about. But you, you you've kind of... When, when I, you have a solid core group of people over at No Limits. You hang out there and shoot. Well, yeah. that's your pretty much your second home, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably there more than I'm at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is good. Um, and then you went turkey hunting, too, this year. How'd that go? Um, it was really fun. I I didn't get a shot on a turkey. We we went with kind of our little girl group. Uh some ladies that I've recently started spending more and more time with. Um, I was the only one that did not get a shot on a turkey. Dang. Yeah. What happened? I was on the wrong side of the blind. blind yeah. I would have let one fly, but <laughs> I was on the other side. <laughs> the double blind thing doesn't work when both people really want to kill one. You probably figured that out because yeah. someone's getting screwed. There's no way around it. Yeah. The chance of shooting two at one time. 
unless you just make a KO hit and they're pecking the one you just shot, it's pretty hard to kill. Yeah. We had the blinds set up and kind of the, because we didn't really know where they were. Yeah. And where they were going to come down. So we had the blinds set up in kind of a bad, the bad direction for me. Yeah. But a good direction for my blind buddy. Who was your blind buddy on that trip? Caitlin. Oh, good lord. So are you guys very good at being quiet in the blind? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, try to have to see that. Oh, Lord. The, um, yeah, it's, it's well, so, fo- so far, you know, getting into the, the industry and, and hunting, what's like been the biggest eye opener for you, for both, both the outdoor industry and starting to hunt? Um, I think hu- the whole hunting thing definitely is how hard it is because a lot of people make it look so easy, like you yeah but you work a lot you we put a lot of work into it um but the industry i just say it it all looks a lot better from the outside (laughs) (laughs) than being in it (laughs) which you guys warned me about we tried i tried to warn frank too and it's not all bad it's just there's certain things you find out which is what I tried to warn you about, or people, yeah. or whatever, that they're kind of a, a letdown sometimes. Um, and it was, I always usually put it, I was a lot happier when I was uh, dumb with one backpack and didn't know any better and, you know, had one pair of nice jeans uh, or nice hiking <laughs> pants. But, yeah. Well, for hunting-wise, like, because you have been desperate, like I would hate to say on live, but I'm going to bloodthirsty, like really <laughs> wanting to shoot something. And yeah. then, of course, Frank gives you shit. You guys do go goose hunting on the golf course, which actually does look really fun. It's so fun. <laughs> it is so much fun. <laughs> so what's your strategy for shooting geese on the golf course? Let's hear it. Um, Because you guys get decoys <laughs> and everything out, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we put a big old <laughs> spread of decoys out there and then... Bo calls them in. We hear some. Bo calls them in, and we just go to town on them. <laughs> How many geese have you shot? Seven. Well, that's more than me with a bow. Yeah. Look at that. Hey, it's a small target, and hitting a small target with a bow is is good practice. So yes, it is. I don't even care about all the crap that Frank gives me. I get a kick out of it from the outside looking in because it. Yeah, he always gives you. You guys give each other shit all the time. <sighs> Yeah, I I need to I need Luke to train me so I can beat him up. Yeah, that might be difficult, but you just you, all you got to do is give him <laughs> crap about like Alberta. I know. <laughs> he was giving me crap about something the other day, and I was like, Frank, how many how many deer did you shoot in Alberta, <laughs> and how many did you bring back? Exactly, it it is difficult. Uh, which you haven't really. Got to feel like tour over and over and over, but you felt it enough. The adrenaline rush when an animal's in front of you, it's hard to to describe to someone to prep them for, you know, what happens. And then and and it's it's nice when you know there's like where you were at. It's nice when there's a lot of animals because it's not probably as bad because um, you know you're probably going to get another shot. Yeah. But when you're like with elk, especially over the counter, you get one shot and that may be all you get for the entire season. And so it's it, it is hard to control the nerves so far have, with with what you've been doing. Have have you been nervous, like shaking and like, has it been hard to control too bad? No, not like 
before the shot, I have absolutely no nerves whatsoever. But when I once I see the arrow hit the animal, my hands like start shaking, and that's when that's kind of when I get goofy. Yeah, <laughs> but before the shot, I'm I'm nice, cool, and collected. Yeah, that's good. Randy Cooling's like that. I know a few people like that that they fall to pieces after, yeah. but they're good before, yeah. which is which is good. No, that's good. Um, and over time, it usually gets better and better and better where your the ice kind of builds up in your veins and you're able mm-hmm. to make conscious decisions under high pressure situations where you can kind of think a few steps ahead where that's hard to do at first when you're you know you have shit running down both legs and you're not like you're every circumstance is different yeah. and if you haven't been in a lot of them you really don't know how to predict those so it'll be interesting to see how <laughs> things go for you over the next two or three years yeah yeah i'm excited yeah so what are you before we talk about the hawaii trip what are you what else are you going after this year um i'm gonna do over-the-counter elk and probably over-the-counter pronghorn hopefully i draw deer tag and then i'm also gonna go out to wisconsin and hunt some whitetail that'll be fun yeah except the freezing your balls off if you had any um <laughs> that the cold part's not fun yeah. when are you going there I should know that I'm your boss and I don't. Yeah. I forgot. You did tell me. <laughs> I'm going to go, I think, the first week of November. That's a good time to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it won't be that cold, um, yeah. but it will be pretty cold usually. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not that freezing yet. So are you guys going to do any chick power backpack hunts, solo, anything? Um, I don't know. Depends on what we all draw. But, is, is it a potential in the air? I would like to, but I don't know if we we have too much fun. So Jama and I went on a backpacking scouting trip last year, and it was we we laughed too hard. So um, you might not kill anything. Probably scare all the animals away. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's it's difficult. I don't. Even though I've gotten, we got kind of a shitty email the other day about me being. Did you say I was sexist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, sexist comments. I yeah. think it was about... Cougars. Mm, and, yeah. And, yeah, Frank. Which, that was whatever. interesting. But I'm all for, like, throwing you off into the deep end, like most guys get thrown off into the deep end. So in one way, I'm actually probably reverse sexist. I treat women too much like men in some ways. Not, yeah. not all the time, but with you, I'm like... I use the P word and I'm like, don't be a weenie. Um, get out there. You'll be fine. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it is difficult just because you're raised kind of catering to women or, or not catering. You guys cater to women, cater to men more. Yeah. Um, being worried about a woman all the time, whether it's your sister or your mom or your wife or your go- girlfriend. But I'm also kind of in the same way with my daughter. I'm more like, well, get out there. You can do anything a man can do. Don't be, mm-hmm. you know, get get your ass out there and get it done, <laughs> which I think would be, that's why I was asking, it would be cool to see how you guys do on like a five, six day backpack trip for yeah. high country mule deer. I have no doubt you would get the shit kicked out of you, but it's good. Oh, yeah. Everyone does. I, I got, I got my butt handed to me in Hawaii. I We'll talk about that, but <laughs> it was lots of emotions and hopefully once, because I don't, I don't know if I trust myself going out there quite yet. The chances of you dying are so slim, I wouldn't worry about it. 
I know. And if if I were to draw something, we may we may put something together, but it all depends because we all have all the girls that I hunt with. Like Caitlin has Nate that that she goes out with. Aaron has her boyfriend. Um, Jama has a a buddy of hers that she goes out with. So everybody kind of has their hunting partner, except me. Well, is Braden not going to hunt with you? I don't think so. What the hell? He has he has hunting partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one thing difficult um, about that. But I mean. There's very few, like, legitimate, God, I am going to get bashed for this, what I consider total legitimate, I hate to use the word huntresses, but, like, huntresses that totally get out and do it by themselves. And I'm not saying there's not men out there that can't do it by themselves either, so don't, I don't want to get any horrible emails about this. There's plenty of men that suck too. Yeah. But I think that you would surprise yourself if if you went out. I think you'd be... Obviously, there's some field craft skills you might want to learn and some other things like that. But yeah. it's also different in the, the era. I was, you know, I am quite a bit older than you and I was raised in a different time, space and place. And in in uh, my hometown was only a couple hundred people. And so, you know, there was things I learned when I was a kid just for the simple fact of where I was and what I was doing that you probably didn't get to learn just because of the eight the generation gap or the generation difference but also you weren't exactly raised in the middle of the woods you had the great wasatch front but that's that's (laughs) about it (laughs) no wasatch front is a good like three hours from where i was raised so so a little did you have any wonderful wilderness around you Yeah. yeah yeah i'm from like the middle of this little valley that's it's like two thousand people so i'm from a tiny little place yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. Well, and and I mean too. Like, did your did your did your dad or any uncle or anybody take you out and teach you any like field craft stuff when you were younger? Not really. That was more the boys' stuff. The yeah. girls stayed inside. And is that because you're Mormon? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You well, you'll learn it now, one way or another. Um, yeah. You just don't want to get into a point where, like, you run into situations that are like pass fail only, and there's no middle ground because yeah. that one you might not end out on end up on top of. But yeah, for the most part, if you eat common sense and everything else, you'll usually be fine. But like, uh, it it is difficult because there's. I was talking, you know, Aaron Hitchens, um, yeah, Rockhouse. I was talking to him yesterday um, with, with his wife Logan, and and then. Um, you know, the, a lot of different women getting in the outdoor industry. And then mm-hmm. I've been taking Amy and then you and Braden just went to Hawaii. But the amount of things someone like myself or Aaron takes for granted um, that you don't, you think everyone knows. Yeah. But not everyone knows. Yes. And <laughs> yes, I can attest to that. <laughs> Whether it be where you set up or certain things that could happen even in a ground blind or what to do. He gave me an example of he always generally tells when he's calling for someone, the person when to shoot. And so the birds came out of the roost and got in the decoys. And Logan is waiting for him to say shoot. And the turkeys walk off. And Aaron goes, well, fuck. There's our, there's our <laughs> opportunity. She's like, you didn't tell me to shoot. Well, he's like, well, of course you should shoot. She's like, I didn't know if it was too far. Well, when you take things for for granted, like I have as far as like, you know, we talked about maybe trying to get like maybe Barclow and I to do a video series 
from A to Z of everything. So from as simple as layering, um, you know, different ways to tie your boots, different like um, hacks for gear, deboning, you know, how to take care of wild game to, you know, setups. Like there's certain situations, if you don't know any better and you can't see the future of where an animal's coming, you may set yourself up to where you can't even draw your bow because of where the animal comes from or you can't pivot. And there's certain, a right-handed shooter should set up a different way compared to a left-handed shooter. And then reading the topography of where the animal probably will come in and specifically elk, you know, you sometimes it's better to set up a little bit low so when they come up on a rise, you can see their antlers and go to full draw before you see their eyes Yeah. to be at full draw. All of that stuff I totally take for granted. And you do get a lot of people in the industry, mostly men, that some women that fake the funk, that haven't done it a lot and are giving out info. And there's, you know, it's, it's great that the hunting is, is spreading. But until you do it over and over and over, it's, it's hard to know. And I still screw shit up. Um, I just, with the recurve, I don't get this. I can't screw up as much because yeah. <laughs> the whole run out there and shoot it at 80 is kind of gone now. <laughs> But those are the things I think, you know, you learn over and over and over. It's a collective of everything you've jacked up or done right in the past. So Yeah, and it's all a process. Like you can't, hunting is never, you're never going to get the same scenario every single time. And so you just have to adapt and, and kind of roll with the punches. Yeah, no, you you definitely, you definitely do. Well, what did you learn on your Hawaii hunt other than the wear sunscreen? Oh my gosh. Definitely to wear sunscreen. That was the biggest thing. Um, I learned. I learned so much though. There, there are a lot of animals, but there are almost too many animals because we would go try stalking a little herd, and as soon as we would get somewhat close to that one, we would blow out another herd that we didn't know was thirty yards away to the right or to the left, and it almost made it too difficult to to have that large of a concentration of animals. How many are you talking about and what type of animals? Um, Axis deer, pretty much. And there were, there were hundreds of axis just in the small area. Probably, I don't, I don't know how large the area was we were hunting, but, um, the first day we went out, we, we just, uh, hiked and hunted all day. And, we probably saw hundreds of animals of deer just just that first day and we got out of the truck and we probably walked i don't know 30 yards and there were a couple bucks that just popped out of the out of the trees and we had no idea that they were there <laughs> how many animals did you shoot i shot two well how many i did you sh- shoot at i shot at so i shot the two that i killed and then I shot at an, a buck, and I did shoot at another buck, but I hit the tree because I it didn't happens. pay attention to. How was your setup? That. Your penetration and everything. Good. It was. It was really good. Um, I am still a little confused on the pig because I don't know where my broadhead was, but I got a pass through on it. Oh, you mean it came off? Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Did it, um, did you go, you went through it? Yeah. It's probably in the dirt behind it. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know. It I, depends. I don't know. What were you thinking? It ha- what did you think happened? 
I have no idea because the first, like the first half of the arrow didn't have any blood on it at all. And then the last half of the arrow was that dark, bubbly blood. Mm-hmm. And and then the broadhead was gone. So I have no idea what happened. Yeah. who? I mean, yeah, I, it would have to be on to go th- through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it depends too on some. Yeah, it depends. But the other thing you can do is um, glue in your broadhead. Um, like that's not a horrible idea, yeah. especially if you're shooting major helical. It actually can, depending upon which way your helical is, it can spin off um, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it. <sighs> I don't think, because um, I think the helical, I don't, I don't know. If you're shooting right helical, you're good. It'll yeah, spin tighter. It's, it's right helical because yeah. it's what bow. I shoot left, does. so when the field tips hit the target, they're always loose. I got to tighten them back up because mm-hmm. it's spinning the opposite way. But that's another thing you do learn as far as. Uh, your setups and, and everything else over time. Um, you could have what you feel is the best setup in the world and shoot three or four animals, and then like on the fifth or sixth animal, it's the worst setup in the world, and you change all your shit. Yeah. And some people blame everything on their equipment, and other people blame themselves, and some are in the middle. Um, and it, it'll be interesting as time goes on because you do get a lot of people giving info that haven't really killed anything yeah and that can get you in trouble but sometimes that info isn't bad because they're repeating it from someone else and then you know some it, it's hard because um there's so much info out there and it's hard to kind of weed through um what's valid and then obviously you have me telling you what to do as well so then you've got it coming from all different angles because you hang out at the shop all day and then you have to listen to me as well. Yeah, yeah. I kind of take it's. It probably makes them a little bit upset, but your word is kind of king in everything. And then I, I listen. I do listen to them, but they get really mad when I don't listen to them. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, but uh, I'm sure I'll get um, yelled at for being arrogant. I think on a bad weekend combined, I've killed more than all three of those guys together. So I don't. <laughs> Which I think I've told you to tell them that before, actually. Um, um, you can you can tell them that. I'm not. <laughs> well, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm being a smartass there, obviously. Yeah. I, Bo and, and Jason are super good guys, and they, yeah. they're great. Bo, they're great at tuning. I mean, they're great at everything. But yeah, I have went down, you know, the road of, of speed and lightweight, and then I've, I've kind of, you know, through progression, most people, not all people, but most people – end up usually at a, a good happy medium or heavier, heavier setup than they do uh, a light one. Yeah. Um, I just tried to skip you forward to shooting for hunting a little bit heavier setup, and I don't think that they like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, I don't think they do either. And and I hear conversations, just, just guys shooting on the range that have a, a way lighter arrow than me, and they're shooting an 80-pound bow. There was, there was a guy in there the other day, it sounded like he was dry firing his bow every time he shot an arrow. And he, I, there was one time he was behind me. I looked her, I looked behind me to make sure that his bow was not blown up. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you should probably shoot a heavier arrow. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, and, and even Gillian Ham and I were arguing about this, you, you can't shoot faster than the speed of sound. Exactly. And he is saying that they hear the arrow, which they could, except, having the stick bow, I get to shoot 
multiple at some animals and uh and my feathers are a lot louder than veins yeah. um and so that would lead me to believe just by common sense of some uh, inference and deductive reasoning that um they're probably not hearing the arrow as much as they are the bow because if i'm firing a couple undering them and they stand there and look around they didn't hear my bow so they're obviously not running from the arrow because yeah. my arrow is louder than a compound arrow because of the feathers yeah um so they're probably running from the bow going off and so a, a quiet bow for me um trumps a fast arrow um for me and now yeah. there's other guys i mean there is a happy medium for everything you don't want to be lobbing logs and shooting super slow yeah but um cody covey's a good example for the last four years i've been telling him to shoot a heavier arrow and then this year i think he shot three animals he he would have killed with a cut on contact head and a, and a heavy arrow um that it was the same thing that happened to me in the course of one year i i hit a deer and an elk and uh and I didn't, oh no, I got the elk, didn't get the deer. And it was a crisis level situation because I was shooting a 400 grain arrow super fast and just didn't get the penetration I probably should have. And so then I went full bore and started shooting 85 pounds and a 550 grain arrow and just went through everything. Yeah. So for my like collective of experiences, I'm like, okay, I really am going to cater to shooting a heavier arrow and focus on accuracy and penetration rather than speed because I range find everything anyway that's yeah. out there. So it doesn't really matter. Very rarely does somebody take a shot anymore without range finding. Now, it's different for out west compared to whitetail hunting. Everything's a little bit different. But yeah. what would you choose hunting? Um, well, those the super fast deer, the axis deer. What would you want, a quieter bow or a faster bow or a happy medium bow? Um, I think I I like my setup. I I think just the happy medium because you've got me in a pretty heavy arrow and I I don't think it's that they were too fast I just that's just my you know me perfecting my setup but I like that heavy arrow because it it did some damage on those animals that I shot so yeah I really like it yeah I I Part of it is, too, is going to the stick bow now where I'm firing a whopping 175 feet per second. Yeah. Is now I'm really looking at it as how, how important really is speed because yeah. I'm not shooting any speed at all. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, I've shot more than one animal on the second or third arrow where I've they just kind of jumped around for a second, didn't really know what was going on, and then fired a couple more for, um, you know, whatever happens. I don't miss as much now as I did in the beginning but i still miss it's a pain in the butt with the recurve yeah and so having a super quiet bow and a and a pretty you know penetrating arrow is 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 important so yeah yeah so i mean accuracy is more important than anything so if you can't if you can't shoot your bow and hit yeah. where you're aiming then that's probably what you should work on yeah well and this is definitely where i get yelled at for being arrogant because which i can understand but i really don't want to get into a argument with a bunch of guys at an archery range that collectively have killed five animals in the last seven years. Yeah. And this has not, this is just sheer numbers and I do get to hunt a lot and I am not trying to be arrogant at all, but it's like, Hey, you know, maybe some of the advice I'm giving you might be good that you want to listen to because, um, you know, I, I am lucky enough to, you know, put down 30, 40, 50 animals a year over the last few years. And, 
I, you know, I, I'm trying to help you, not hurt you. This isn't a big penis contest. This is just me stating, hey, my past experiences shooting a loud bow with a light arrow were not great compared to shooting a, you know, a pretty heavy, evenly weighted arrow. But we are all men, and no one, no men listen to anyone. So it, it does. That it is, is very true. But <laughs> I mean, you're you're helping out all these people. They need to just be nice. Uh, you're giving so much information and all of these people are just being jerks some of them some of them but some of there's a lot of good comments i have to say there's for every thousand good comments there's one a-hole so i don't mind yeah you know too much but even like with the the stick bow um i'm learning like you are it's the same probably why i'm addicted to it i got to start all over again and be green and and have the fascination of of learning. So I understand that with people getting into it when they ask questions that, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Why are you asking me that? And I'm thinking, well, you know, <laughs> at one time I probably asked the same question. And so I had a guy yesterday asking about arrow wraps. Yeah. If he needed to cut off the quarter inch where they overlapped. And in my mind, immediately I'm thinking, are you crazy? Yeah. And I've had a lot of people ask that, but then I'm thinking, you know, I probably didn't know that either. It's a so I, <laughs> it is a valid question. I, I will say that. Well, and initially I was thinking, Jesus, dude, use your brain. And then I yeah. thought, you know, being honest with myself, I'm like, I wouldn't have known that. And so I just messaged him, obviously, and it's been several people where I'm like, honestly, I don't know. When I buy wraps, I don't even pay attention to how big they are. Shit, I put aluminum wraps on my carbons and they overlap. And I don't yeah. I did the same thing when I shot a compound. I just bought whatever I could get. So they don't meet exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them overlap a quarter inch, which, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it's such a minuscule amount of difference that um, unless you're like an engineer and you have yeah. OCD, um, you know, a shooting machine, you can't see the difference in 10 grains at 80 yards with right. a machine in your arrow weight. And, you know, you get out to 100, 120, you might see the difference in 10. Probably not. It's going to have to be more like 20 or 30. Yeah. And even then, who can even shoot good enough to, to be able to tell? And so when guys are trying to get within a, a fraction of a grain difference on every arrow, and they ask me, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't weigh my arrows. Yeah. I, have an, I have a scale. I mean, I know what they weigh, but I mean, I, I group tune. And so when I group tune, if they all hit in the same group, I mean, as bad as it probably sounds, I really don't care if they're within one grain or ten, as long as they hit in the same group, which is more that the the spine is is consistent. Um, the other thing people don't understand is like knock tuning. I talk about indexing, like you shoot, yeah. you rotate it. The higher quality the arrow is, indexing doesn't work because the um, the way what what that does on indexing is your. Let me explain this without screwing it up you are trying to redneck correct the inefficiency of this, of that specific arrow yeah if your arrows are built not perfect but extremely tight tight tolerances with ex extremely consistent spine indexing doesn't work as well mm -hmm. um i was gonna type a thing about that the other day and i thought you know that's another can of worms i don't even want to open up <laughs> um but this is all this shit you have to hear me talk about when you ask questions you probably get tired of it but uh, there's a lot to learn, a lot more than I think people realize. Yeah, I I definitely didn't realize it coming in because there's still I still have I I know some and I know a little bit within kind of my range of what I do, 
but people will ask me questions even like people will comment on my photos on Instagram and ask me a question and I'm I'm like don't don't even ask me go go to a pro shop go somewhere where they have experience and they have some grounds to give you information because I I mean if I have a question I'm going to you or one of the guys at the shop I I don't I don't have enough information or experience to give anybody advice. Yeah, and you it'll get better and, and better and better. And the the thing is is like the first true backpack hunt you go on, like holy shit backpack hunt where you don't have adult supervision. Yeah. You're gonna be like you're gonna learn so much and then the next time you go you'll learn even more and then mm-hmm. you know, you, you you do that over and over and then after well take like weight for example of, of in your pack and this is a personal preference it's not necessarily experience but I haven't weighed what's in my pack in probably 10 years like mm-hmm. why weigh some stuff but I mean literally what I try to explain to people when they ask for like spreadsheets or they'll send me theirs with the exact weights I'm like look I've done this long enough that what's in my pack is what I need yeah it, it's inconsequential what it weighs because I have to have it yeah and I can't really take anything out of it because I have to have what's in there. So whether it's heavy or light, that is what I need for this specific hunt. And it's going in there and it doesn't matter what the scale or the graph says. Because, and I wrote I wrote an article called Don't Chase the Rabbit um, a few years ago for um, it was Eastman's. And yeah. uh, it was about me go, trying to go ultra lightweight many years ago and like doing a lot of crazy shit to save all this weight and I and I saved five or six pounds on my pack weight yeah and about fucking died like literally that and so that was a big turning point for me of like what is the big deal of five or six pounds for that much comfort Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where you'll probably bring a bunch of shit you don't need unless you really listen to me the first time you go (laughs) and then you might add stuff to it off of that initial trip um yeah, then, that's, that's already happened. My first backpacking trip, I took a lot more stuff than I <laughs> than I needed. <laughs> well, you, well, you don't, you, you know, you know what you know and you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. And so, like, I remember having packing lists like some of these guys sent me many years ago where I had, like, deodorant and soap and shit. And, yeah. And I don't have anything now. I mean, I'll bring a toothbrush usually, um, but... There's some, and David Long was, I talked with, he's a mule deer hunting freak. Um, He's killed giant mule deer. And I remember he and I talking, you know, because he started to go lighter weight, but he's like, you know, there's like a, there's a boundary, right? Like you're cutting your handle off your toothbrush, um, but then you're not looking at, you know, X, Y, and Z, this other, other stuff. And so there's like an MSR reactor stove is, is something Frank and I've used a bunch, but I mean, Frank and I, that's kind of our go-to and. There's many other systems in my garage than that stove. But yeah. I generally take that one even though it's the heaviest because it never fails. Um, and it's the most efficient or one of the most efficient. Well, then I'll have guys, you know, and this is excluding the finances of it because it is expensive. So why would I take a reactor when I could take, let's say, an Evernew pot and um, whatever, some other stove and say save five ounces? Mm-hmm. Well, because the reactor works and it never breaks. And so I don't mind carrying that extra weight when I could definitely save some weight. And if I went on a really far lightweight trip where, you know, an overnight or two nights, who gives a shit if I don't have a stove? 
that's totally different than uh, a sheep hunt at 13,000 feet for 12 days. Oh, yeah. And so the, all of that stuff kind of changes, and common sense has to come into play with, with everything that you do. And usually suffering fixes everything. Like <laughs> if you – and especially like you get back there and – you know, you totally freeze to death or you totally suck at hiking in because you've got too much shit. Yeah. You know, usually your packing list is going to change drastically a few times because the first time you go in, you have too much shit and then you drop a bunch. Yeah. And then the second time you go in, you suffer. And so you add some. And then the third time you go in, there's going to be a happy medium. And usually by like, oh, the fifth or sixth backpack hunt, you're really minute changes um yeah. and so and and then that your minute changes may be good and then you hit you get fogged in or you get snowed in and then you're like fuck i should add a couple things for these holy shit circumstances um and and it's the same thing with your bow setup for example you yeah. might go to a single pin because the guys at the archery range told you that's the best um and then you have an animal come in at 20 and your sight set at 20 mm-hmm. and they give you the whole spiel or have it set at 25 where you can hit anything at 40 to 20 to, to 15 if it's set on 25, but then it runs out to 50. Yeah. And you can't shoot it because you can't, don't guess it correctly. Yeah. Um, well, for somebody like me with a slower arrow and it not shooting as fast, yeah. that would really affect me a lot more than say somebody shooting an 80 pound bow with. A lighter arrow that's oh, traveling yeah. a lot faster. Yeah, or you you know you shoot a five pin slider, and when I you know it runs out and I'm beside you and I say it's fifty seven and you can kill it. Yeah. So that might say fuck that single pin. I'm going to yeah. shoot a multi pin, yeah. and then some people <laughs> might not be able to pin gap as well, and they listen to somebody that shoots a single pin, and they're like, I want accuracy, mm-hmm. and. Or the other way around, they shoot a multi pin, they get confused, and they put the wrong pin on it. And they're like, I'm going to one pin. All of those things, so your gear constantly <laughs> changes. Um, and you shoot a handheld release, right? Yeah. So what all releases have you gone through and what have you ended up with? I started with a trigger, a, a wrist rocket. Um, and then I started shooting a couple hinges that you had given me just on a string. And then, and then I started trying them with my bow. And then I went to uh, pull through back tension and I was looking for something that I could hunt with a little bit more because I didn't trust the back tension hunting very much. And so I switched to a stand thumb release and I I really like that one. I've I shoot it very well without punching it. Well that's important. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well what uh on the stand is it uh are you shooting three finger, four finger? What are you shooting? I, I have it set up. It's It's got the little three-finger attachment, but I only shoot it with two fingers. And do you do everything from the train-to-hunt deal or whatever they're called, alpha bow hunting challenges and hunting, you shoot the same thing for everyone? Yes. So what are the chances, do you think, of that changing? Uh, not. I No, I'm not going to change that. I like it too much. So hypothetically, what if <laughs> – now? and that's just a straight-up thumb button – yeah. Like not a pressure release. Right. So hypothetically, um, you know, f- you know, for for example, do you have it hooked to your wrist? No. Where do you keep it when you're hunting? In my vinyl harness. Okay. Pocket. So what if that falls out? 
then I am screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so these are all the different things that like. That's, I'm walking around. I'm like checking it. Checking my harness every like two seconds. Well, and it's not a horrible idea. I used to carry a chalk bag mm -hmm. right to the right side of my hang down. And like that's where it was at. And I yeah. had a backup in my pack. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, a tensioner to where I could push it open just like I could close it and I could force my hand in there. And so even on a stock, it was always hooked to my pants belt um, because uh, if you low crawl long enough, you're going to lose that out of your oh, front pocket. <laughs> I, did, so I had in Hawaii, I was, um, there was one point that there was a herd, there was a giant herd just kind of feeding up a little uh, meadow. And my friend tells me he's like, just crawl and see how close you can get to him. This is, you know, it's, it's late at night it's it's getting close to the end of the hunt and so i just started like army crawling with my bow and it was oh my gosh it was miserable and i was cussing and so many different emotions i was miserable i have my release in my mouth because i didn't want to lose it and then i was just holding my bow and i'd inch my bow forward and then scoot forward and it was miserable but that was a very good learning experience as well yeah you have to cry me a river on that one that you're gonna have <laughs> lots of those experiences yeah. Uh, yeah it well and that's another thing too is like um you know the how bad do you want it right like yeah and that may go through your i mean everybody has different things that go yeah. through their mind it, um it did yeah so like wait there's gonna be times where the how bad do you want it thing for um, you drop your big pack and you go on a stock mm -hmm. and then you're pinned down for four hours. Mm -hmm. That'll break a lot of people. Um, yeah. And when I say break, like literally break people because, well, let's say on Phil's sheep hunt, that was Braden was, was break. yeah, Braden was there too. We were all jammed up. I, me the worst for by my own doing because I wanted to get down lower to get better eyes on the sheep to flag fill in. Yeah. And I ended up in the wide open by a rock for four hours through a lightning storm. We were all stuck in the middle of it. It would have been easy from, of course, I would have never wanted to hear the end of it from Phil and Brain making fun of me for me to stand up. I was trying out prototype clothing, which sucked. I was freezing my balls off. So was Phil and Brain. They were, we were all cold. At a certain point in time, a lot of people that will break them and they'll just get up and and then blow the animal out. And so really that's where you kind of find out in inside yourself where, okay, I may be shivering and I may be all these different things, but I've put this much effort into it. Should I am I just gonna give up because of pain? Obviously, some yeah. people do. Um yeah. Oh, I I wanted to just stand <laughs> up and just <laughs> walk back to my pack. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's and, and it's hot there, right? It, um, yeah. There's the other thing is cold. Obviously, is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, cactus is one. Bugs is a, mosquitoes is a big one. Yeah. But really, probably worse than heat is is sleet and rain and snow and cold because yeah. there's a point too where can you even draw your bow um, yeah. or function? Yeah. Feel your you fingers. You could you could make the stock, but then what if you can't draw your bow back? Yeah, and. This has been a true eye-opener for me with that stupid stick because I have to be so close. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you do get pinned down. And believe me, going through my mind is a song, you know, that stupid song gets stuck in my head from Tim McGraw from How Bad Do You Want It? Because I'm thinking, man, it would be really easy <laughs> for me to just chalk this up as a fun stock and go warm my ass up and just hunt another day. Yep. So it, 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 
I get these messages from people saying, hey, you motivated me. And one guy blew his knee out and said, me and Frank's talks about being mentally strong. He hiked his ass out with a disla or a torn ACL. Wow. Uh, which I don't know if that was a smart thing, but yeah. it is important that you have, you know, you test your, your metal from time to time, um, which you're just beginning to do it. There's yeah. going to be times in 10 years you look back and think, Jesus, that's the dumbest shit I've ever done. <laughs> but normally it pans out good if you yeah. get out of there's, what you put into it. There's a, a happy medium as far as that goes too because you can test yourself but know your limits because you don't I mean some people are going to push way way past those but then I'm I I will definitely push myself and I've done it in other areas not so much like hunting but you have to know yourself a little bit and being tough you can always push past stuff but don't kill yourself don't push yourself into a well field craft helps yeah i will say like getting stuck out overnight which isn't fun that will crush people's dreams sometimes yeah. where they'll stop hunting where other people it's just like a interesting night in the in the woods mm -hmm. but a lot of that's field craft and knowing you know if you don't have fear for that night you're probably gonna sleep better mm -hmm. now you probably gonna be cold but if you're scared to death, scared of the dark, scared of bears and saying, oh, my God, are we going to find our tent again? That's probably going to make for a bad night's sleep, which creates sleep deprivation, which yeah. creates, um, I mean, initially, you know, your your motor skills are going to go to crap and your, your, your processing complicated tasks is going to go downhill and you turn into a bitch or yeah. a dickhead, depending yeah. upon if you're a man or a woman. Yeah. Oh, you I, yeah, turn yeah. into a bitch when you're tired. <laughs> I know. I haven't seen it personally, but you certainly get crabby. So sleep deprivation is one where I'm kind of curious how you do after eight, nine, ten nights with four hours of sleep. Oh, I would. <coughs> no one, no one would want to be around me. Well, that'll be interesting <laughs> to see. <laughs> uh, well, at least in with Hawaii, you had it, it's cool in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Like you don't have. When I say that, I've never hunted Hawaii, so what yeah. am I saying? But I mean, it is nicer weather. Um, yeah. So comparative to, you know, hunting high country mule deer here. And, and uh, I was just talking to a guy from Hawaii who's thinking going to order our packs. Yeah. And he was talking about how treacherous Hawaii is. And I'm thinking, I can't really say how bad it is there. Yeah. But I can't imagine it's bad like sheep hunting here. It's the weather's not bad. The terrain was pretty bad. I, I didn't expect it to be that bad. But it's pretty that, mountainous, isn't it? it? It's, yeah. it's really mountainous, I think. We were up around um, close to 3,000 feet from sea, like sea level when we got in Thursday, and then we go up to around 3,000 feet just right off the bat and hiking up and down, and the the lava rock just killed my feet. That, Kills your shoes, too. Yeah. Yeah, can, there's not very much footwear that can handle that. Yeah. That lava rock, it destroys pretty much everything. Yeah, my feet were in pain for what kind of shoes do you have since you seem to wear sandals all the time <laughs> i wore uh those hanvog makras yeah which yeah. did it was it the bottoms of your feet that hurt just my whole feet because yeah. i'm not used to that stiff of a boot too yeah and so it it was a it, it just all around 
and in if you, pain. Like if you have tough feet, usually I would suggest a more flexible boot and just yeah. consider destroying it. Yeah. Like when we're on like Tiburon Island or whatever, like you wear pretty, I mean, the boots are done. It's a, it's a one hunt done deal. So they can wrap the lava rock or the, that type of rock so you can run mm-hmm. so i don't wear very stiff boots down there but usually i'll get hot spots if it's a long hike is a shifting compared to my normal stiff boots yeah but that's another thing you learn as time goes on because next time you go you probably won't wear a stiffer boot right and, and a mocker to me is flexible compared to <laughs> the crazy ones i normally you know wear but you know you take for example antelope hunting mm-hmm. you, you can get away with almost anything yeah. with, with antelope hunting and you got to be quiet and fast um but you can't wear the same boot antelope hunting you wear for a, a mountain goat hunt yeah and so like uh cory that used to work here he wore running shoes yeah and it doesn't matter what sales pitch he gives me on he played soccer as a kid or whatever he hunts long enough and he does enough aggressive hunts the sole will fall off those things. Your toes will poke out the front. No matter yeah. how tough you are, you can only yeah. do so much. And I only say that because I tried it. I fucked up my feet because of it. You can get away with a lot, but you can only get away with the parameters of the material of what that specific footwear is made of. Yeah. And you can wear holes through the front of your feet mm-hmm. on a sheep pump pretty quick. And so how did you like the stiffer boot? It's still up in the air. I, I wore them this last weekend just shooting that little the 3D course that I shot. Um I liked them I like them better on just kind of more dirt, not not lava rock. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's different because I because I never wear shoes, I wear flip-flops or slippers year-round. And so I like a very flexible boot and I think I don't know. I I really like those macras, but I'm just not sure how much my feet like them because they're 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 pretty tough. Yeah, and I'm wearing them now, and it's like the most flexible boot. No, I have that Tatra or whatever that I that I and I wouldn't yeah. probably ever wear that in the mountains. But it's South, and I talk about it a lot. He wears flexible boots, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to wear them, and I don't now. Um, and you can't art South produces. I mean, he's not, you know, but so some people's feet are just different. Brian calls feet, his feet were tough and, but he was giving advice. So I, to guys with not so tough feet. And so that's what I try to do. Cause I remember listening, you know, in the middle of me backpack hunting, there wasn't much info a long time ago. And I remember listening to South and, and, uh, uh, Cam talk and Cam wore boots like I was wearing and South wore flexible boots. And I'm like, man, I'm going to try flexible boots i don't have to break them in yeah and then i fucked up my feet and so for me i have feet of a three-year-old girl right i just have you know my feet are so, like soft i get i can get blisters easy yeah um and so that's like another thing too especially with giving advice is i hate giving advice on footwear unless i've really talked to the guy yeah um or the gal because some people are going to be like wear stiff boots and they're going to be happier in those and then others like you're barefoot all the time wearing flip-flops so you're probably going to be different but once you kill something, that may change again. And that's why I say it's kind of a revolving door of, of changing. You might kill something four miles in. Yeah. Well, and terrain, like what you're hunting, terrain, all of that. Like I'm learning that everything kind of has its own place where, where you want to have a stiffer boot because when you're packing out, you don't want a tennis shoe. You don't want a Solomon shoe because that's going to be miserable and you're going to tear your feet up. Yeah. And until you do that, that's... Yeah, 
<laughs> Once you do that, I mean, again, I'm only going off of like I try to tell people like, hey, I'm not giving you what I think is good today. I'm giving you what I figured out is good for the last 20 years of suffering. Yeah. But I definitely cater to a stiffer boot. Frank does too. He wears it even stiffer than I do all the time. There is, you're not as silent, that's for damn sure, but um, there's pros and, and, and definitely cons. Clothing-wise, what'd you wear over there? Um, I wore, so I wore those Prana pants and then just a lightweight Sitka, the lightweight Sitka shirt. How hot was it? It got really hot when you could feel when the clouds would move away from the sun and when they would come back because it was bearable if the clouds were between you and the sun. Once the sun came out, you I just started, sweat just started pouring down my face and I would have to try and wipe my face off with my sleeve and it got really hot. I don't know exactly 90s. how hot. Maybe, yeah. Well, you were used to it was, 40s here. So, yeah, because yeah. I left, I think it was 40, 35, 40 degrees when we left. And then we got there and it was <laughs> really hot. But the humidity was noticeably different as well, which is what really affected okay, yeah. me. Did yeah. you get prickly heat at all? Where your skin kind of itches from sweat crystallizing, like in your in your pores. Not too, no. Yeah, no. I've gotten that a couple of times in Panama. I got it. Uh, I thought I wanted to stab myself in the face. It was yeah. bad. Yeah, it's where dirt and sweat dry in your pores. Yeah, it's like thousands of needles That's, stabbing you. We did stay at my friend's house, so we were able to shower. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll help. Be clean every day, so that was very nice as well. Yeah, so you ended up, so you got a pig, and then what are those sheep called? I think they're Spanish goats, is, yeah. is what they're called. Yeah. The uh, So are you going to go back? Yeah, I'm going to make that a yearly thing. I'm I'm going to go back and, and hunt them as much as I can. They're, they're awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's a very target-rich environment. But. Very, very, very. It's good learning experience, though. I feel like I Trigger got... Trigger time. Yeah, like years <laughs> worth of experience in three days of hunting, so I can't complain. No, that's good. Um, so this year you're going to do antelope, over-the-counter elk, and then maybe mule deer? Yeah, and then, hopefully, and then whitetail. You don't know if it's going to be a girl party or not for elk? <laughs> it's probably not going to be a girl party, <laughs> just with all their other um, all their hunting partners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be it'll be interesting. Um, we'll have to do another one at the end of big game season and see how everything shakes out. Yeah, hopefully, I have a few more animals stacked up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Well, I'm sure you're probably irritated at me because I'm gone all the time, and I just drew a goat tag, so I get yeah. to go kill two goats. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So I just rub that in your face a little. Yeah. I it's... didn't. It's funny <laughs> that it, the credit card got hit. A guy texted me and said, "Dude, my credit card got hit." Yeah. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if I drew. <laughs> so my credit card got hit, but I didn't know if it was sheep or goat. Uh-huh. And this timeline, I'm thinking, God, I hope I didn't draw sheep. As bad as that sounds, I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm not going to, ha- I'll have time, but it's going to be way crazy compared to what I even thought it was. Yeah. And there was one section of time that was open between August and basically December. And that's now filled with that. Goat yeah. tag and and I drew G seven which is by the house so it's only like forty five oh, nice. minutes away so <laughs> yeah um, but I drew it was a nanny only tag uh-huh. so um, I kind of 
so I've killed a couple goats already and then I'm going on another hunt. I'm like, you know, I'll just try and shoot like a 10, 11 year old nanny that's dry, basically can't breed anymore and just do that. And I like hunting up high and I like hunting goats. Um, so we'll see. Shooting one with a stick might be a bit of a pain in the ass by third season because they're pretty dumb at first and then they get shot at and they catch on pretty quick. So I may have to wear like Arcteryx orange and uh, pretend like I'm a hiker. Maybe they'll think I'm feeding them Doritos or something. Yeah, yeah. Try that out. See how, see how it works. So, do you have any parting words for the ladies out there thinking about getting into the outdoors? Um, the only thing is stick with it because it's not as easy at first, and you actually have to put in a lot of work to be successful. And it doesn't just happen overnight. And even with people like I'm very, very lucky to be surrounded by the people that I'm surrounded by. But it's still, I mean, it's been years put into this and I'm still just scratching the surface. It happens. You're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, congratulations. And, uh, and yeah, you about hounded me to death to get you on here. My schedule has been crazy. So, and then Frank would erase yeah. your name off the board, which I, I know really thought that was hilarious. Oh my gosh. Now I can write it up there and it's staying up there. Yep. Yep. You're, you're up. You'll be up in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for coming on and good, good, good job on the hunt. And thanks for everything at Kafaru. Um, I guess some guy was calling you the Kafaru Vanna White. That is oh. fitting. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, AKA Jody. Vanna White. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank yeah. you again. Thank you for letting me come on. No problem. Okay.